I'll be reading Matthew 1, 1 through 6, and 16 and 17. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadad, Aminadad the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So, you love Star Wars, the movie, right? Right? We all love Star Wars movie, right? It is an amazing and spectacle story, and it's an amazing story, right? But it didn't happen, right? It's a fiction. And we know there are many, many stories like legends and epic tales and fairy tales and all those mighty hero stories. They're exciting, amazing. Even they give us a good lesson. But what about Christmas story? I mean, seriously, let's really think about Christmas story. Hmm, Christmas story. Entire world is celebrating Christmas. I don't know about they celebrating the story of Jesus. But even the story itself, there are no mighty warriors, no beautiful princess. And Christmas stories is not even funny. Right? But it's gloomy and sad. Then why does the whole world celebrate Christmas? Why? And Matthew's gospel even made Christmas worse, isn't it? That's why you hear Luke's gospel Christmas story most of the time. Angels, shepherds, manger, right? No vacancy in the inn, you know. Matthew's story of Christmas is worse. But Matthew tells about this nosy wise man came all the way from Asia and the king so angry and upset and he killed all the boys and Babies in the region. So sad and bizarre. And even he, the worst part is, he started with this boring genealogy. Right? 
Maybe when you were little, when you tried to read the Bible, I mean, New Testament, you have to start with the Matthew and all these names, right? What's the point of these old, old names, right? Genealogy. Yeah, it's really, I'm sure Matthew's gospel didn't make the bestseller that year, right? Maybe Luke's gospel. So next slide, please. And even his, this genealogy of Jesus has a big controversy. Because Matthew intentionally named the four women in the genealogy. Right? Only four women. Right? Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and even he didn't mention her name, Bathsheba, but he explained as the wife of Uriah. If you know them, they were the moral outsiders. They're racial outsiders. Adulterous, incestuous, and prostitute. And Matthew intentionally named only those four women in the genealogy. No other women. Interesting. Because Matthew wanted to make clear that Jesus came to us. Ordinary people, just you, like you and me, just like us. To the real people. Not those mighty warriors and princess and, you know, kings. Just like us, real people. The really troubled people, Jesus came with the good news. The Christmas story is not a fairy tale or a device for us to live a good life. What do you like? I mean, yeah, we know it's a good news. I, I'm going to tell you why it's a good news. But maybe people want exciting and spectacle story and have a good lesson instead of this gloomy and sad story, bizarre story. You know, advice is like an expert says on TV news saying, oh, we have a new variant of coronavirus so please take a booster shot, right? That's your device. We have to do something, a device. But good news is like somebody says, the coronavirus, this pandemic is over. Amen. Never come back. That's good news. You just acknowledge and just accept it. You don't have to do anything. That's good news. The Christmas story is good news. 
The gospel, the Christmas story, is not the advice to people how to live a good life. But good news, gospel is Jesus paid our eternal sin to death, and now we are saved. Even we didn't ask. We didn't do anything. But many, many people, many, many even Christians think the gospel is the way to earn, do something, and earn our salvation. So Matthew tries to tell us that salvation is not through wrestling and struggling to perform good life, perfect life, which is worthy to be saved. Oh, so the world, people of the world, oh, that makes sense. Oh, he's worthy. He's good enough. You know what? Even the people see some really, you know, perfect people. I don't know if perfect people. They don't believe in Christ. Even though, even though they see such a great Christians out there, they don't believe in Christ. But because Jesus is good, and he became us, so we are good. Amen. That's the truth about Christmas. Jesus is good. Jesus is perfect. And he is the way. He is the truth himself. He is the life itself, himself. And he became us. He just not came to us. But he became us. He owned us. Because we could never come up to him, up to God, as God wanted. So he came down, he became us. Next slide, please. And Jesus became us, so we know we are eternal, immortal, and we are from God. It's not just Jesus came from God, but we are from God too, right? We are from God. Apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. The Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Christmas story tells us this journey began. So we commemorate. right? And the Easter story tells us the journey is over forever. That's the final victory. So, how come all this possible? So let's find out through the mothers of Jesus, these four women. Next slide, please. And Christmas story, the gospel turns the world value upside down.
Those Jewish people, Jewish readers, Matthew wrote this gospel for Jewish people. The audience is Jewish people. And those Jewish people expected something great and wonderful about Messiah through the genealogy. It's a typical writing about something, um, you know, good people like Messiah. The genealogy tells them. It's like a resume. Because the, it, it is important. The family this person belongs. The pedigree, what matters for them. So that's why Matthew started, but he put these four names of women. Very controversial. So Matthew did very opposite with Jesus. Because he intentionally disclosed four names. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the wife of Uriah. Next slide, please. First three of these women are Gentiles. They were excluded from the worship and the fellowship with God, Yahweh, the God of Israel. Because they were considered as unclean. They're not good enough. Racially, culturally. So they were excluded. So they were racial and religious outsiders. Tamar was a Canaanite woman who married the son of Judah. But her husband died. And suppose the Father-in-law, Judah, supposed to take care of her. But he neglected her. And she, Tamar, tricked him and conceived Judah's baby, Perez and Jerah. Incestuous. So Tamar remind Jewish people Especially the tribe of Judah. They're so proud of David, King David, Judah. Even they call themselves, now we are Jews. And it's shame and guilt for Israel. Even Matthew saying that this Messiah is coming from this dysfunctional family. Then who's Rahab? Maybe you know the story of uh, these 12 spies sent by Moses to destroy, invade Jericho. She was also a Canaanite woman who lived in the outskirts of, uh, the, outskirts of um, um, the Jericho, the castle, the, the uh, fortress Jericho. So, as you know, her house is right by the wall, outside the wall, which means that she's in the poor people area. So, anyway, she was a prostitute. 
But somehow she helped those two spies from Moses. And she became the mother of Boaz, who later married to Ruth, Moabite's widow. And Boaz is the great-grandfather of King David. And Matthew introduced Bathsheba. But not with her name, but he mentioned that the wife of Uriah. Intentional, right? Because to reveal the sin of David, he was bad. Because Uriah was one of the bodyguards, one of the mighty men when David was in fugitive, Uriah was such a faithful and royal to David until he died. And we know David killed him intentionally in the battle, right? Make him to go into the very front of the battlefield and withdraw all other Israelite soldiers, withdraw, just let him be, you know, by himself. So he was killed. So Matthew points out the Messiah came not only this adulterous relationship, but the betrayal. How sinful this King David. How Israel so proud of, longing for returning to Davidic kingdom. This is David. This is the real David we know through the Wife of Uriah. So Christmas story is absolutely not a fairy tale, but it is about real story of ours, our sinful and flawed everyday life. And Jesus came, Jesus came to our story, our life, and become us by taking our sin. So the gospel, the Christmas story, is the message about God wants to bring everyone to Jesus' family. Jesus didn't come to us and become just like us. Right? Jesus came and bring us back to God and we become his family. Perfect and holy. And it is not about being clean or not belong to good pedigree. But it is about Jesus came to us and he cleansed us as white as snow and to be pure and holy. And nothing will defile us again or condemn again. I told you, we condemn ourselves. And just Satan just keep lying to us and try to deceive us. But since Jesus died on the cross, nothing, no one, even God, says, I will not condemn you, judge you anymore. Even though we are sinful, we are not perfect, not even close. That is the gospel. That is the good news. So Christmas story is good news. 
Amen. Next slide, please. And the Tim Keller says, In Jesus Christ, prostitute and king, male and female, Jews and Gentile, one race and another race, moral and immoral, all sit down as equal, equally sinful and lost, equally accepted and loved. And God is not ashamed of us. And God, Emmanuel, became one atonement at one month. Atonement. That's salvation. But what about people today? What about today after 2,000 years later? What about today? Are we equal? What about those homeless people? What is those troubled teenagers? Those young teenager girls are pregnant. I mean, in our society, we don't see that equality. We make these classes and we treat them differently. So we must, church must, the people of Christmas, we must open our arms and heart and mind to embrace everyone regardless who they are by the world's values. In Christmas, we must find those people. Those margins. Not only, not only financially margin, economically margin, or racially margin. You know, those people suffering from their grief, those struggling with their cancer, they're struggling with their, their broken relationship, loneliness, depression. We have so many people. And we have to find them. We have to be with them like Jesus came to us. And if we do not be with them, if we do not welcome them, be with those margins, outcasts and outsiders, we are not in the true story of Christmas, neither. Next slide, please. That is why the world took our Christmas and make fun of a Christ, right? And these millions of lights and decorations, then the truth of Christ hidden as the world despising and neglecting the margins and outsiders. But you know what? We know that. They know that the Christmas story of this world, there's no hope. Their fairy tale, their great story, beautiful story, but there's no hope because it's about them. Because they believe the hope is in them. We can make things better. We can fix our problems. No, we cannot fix our problems. 
let's remember we are Christmas. We are Christmas. Christ worship. How? We acknowledge we are in the manger. We are one of those four women. We are real people, helpless and hopeless. We are in the manger. We are the manger. But we praising Jesus and Emmanuel who came to us and be us. And we live for Christ. Live by Christ and in Christ. And live in grace and love of Christ. That is Christmas. And we are the Christmas. Next slide, please. And the Christmas is ultimate rest. Matthew intentionally put the count of, count of 14 generations between Abraham and David, and another 14 generations between David and deportation to Babylon, and 14 generations from Babylon to Christ. So there have been six sevens of generations that make Jesus is the beginning of the seventh seven. You know, in the Bible, seven is a perfect number. God's number. Because the day, the three representing God in ancient times, and then four representing the whole world, north and south and west and east, four. So put together seven is a God's number, perfect, complete number. So we are living in the seventh seven under Jesus Christ, the grace. This is a grace period, right? And also seven means the Sabbath. The seventh day today is the Sabbath, right? Which means rest. God's rest. Today is God's rest. So we must rest. And we can rest from our battle, our fight, because Christmas, right? Because of Jesus. God may take a time. His second coming, right? And until our problem fixed, or however God deal with our problem, God may take his time, but he keeps his promise. He keeps his word. When the world, the people of the world, Still worrying and fighting for flesh and blood, guilt and shame, hurt and pain, and unquenchable desires and passions. But we Christians, we can rest. We rest because we trust in Jesus, who fought our battle and gave us eternal victory. We don't have to fight with those what world fights. Because our hope is in the kingdom of God. Not on earth. Not in this flesh. And we can rest by emptying ourselves, our desires, our expectations, our hurts and bad memories. And giving others. And filling others 
with the love and grace and comfort. That's how we rest. Next slide, please. So, dear people of Christmas, Christmas people, Christmas is not a story in a galaxy far, far away, but Christmas is right here, right now. That's the, one of the main messages of Jesus, here and now. We always, well, when we get there, when I go to heaven, right? When my problem is fixed, when my children graduate, you know, high school or, you know, college, when my son got married, right? No, today, right here, right now. We only live right now. You don't live tomorrow. We don't live yesterday. We live today right here, right now. And Christmas is right here and right now. Not only in December. We know Jesus was not born on December 25th. Right? Christmas every day, Christmas. Every day is Easter too. Because Jesus Changed everything. Jesus turned the world's value upside down. The world always thinking about yesterday. World always thinking about tomorrow. But today, Christian, we're thinking about today, right here, right now. And Jesus is, is here, right here, right now. And we are Christian of here and now. And we are Christ's worship here and now. So let's taste the ultimate race rest here on earth by living under grace and love of God. And let the world know, and they know if we live that way, if we live in, under grace and love of Christ, and they know, they will know we are one with the Christ. We are Christ. We are Christmas. Like, like always I pray in the you know, Holy Communion. We are one with Christ, one with each other. One in ministry in the world. We are one with Christ. Do not separate yourself with Christ. Oh, Christ, how wonderful Christ, but not me. No. We're dead. We're done. You're all self. You're gone. Forget about the person who you were. It's done. It's ended. We no longer live. Christ lives in us. And we are Christ. Christ is us. And Jesus came. And we must go to the world with the real and true story of Christmas. Amen.